Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Reversing Hashimoto's. I am your show host, Dr. Anshul Gupta, a world expert in Hashimoto's disease. I help people reverse their Hashimoto's through functional medicine. And today we are having a great guest, you know, which is a wealth of knowledge, uh, Dr. Sham. Uh, again, I mispronounced the name. I'm really sorry, Dr. Sam Shea. I got it right this time. <laughs> So welcome over here, but let me introduce you first uh, before we actually go into this great discussions about lab testing and about all genetics and all the other things linked to Hashimoto's. So Dr. Shea actually uh, solves health puzzles for busy health conscious moms, entrepreneurs and those with Asperger's so that they can exit survival mode and re-enter community. Dr. Shea specializes in functional labs and genetic analysis and is known as an affable lab nerd. Dr. Shea loves to teach on podcasts and summits to empower the public with knowledge about functional labs. Dr. Shea is also a stand-up comic using clean observational comedy to educate and entertain. He is currently finishing up his first one-hour special focusing on what it's like to have Asperger's. Dr. Shea, welcome over here to the show. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my I'm, uh, I appreciate the introduction, and, and I'm known as the affable lab nerd. Uh, and I love talking about labs. I feel like it's one of the most empowering things that we can do to help individuals. And uh, Hashimoto's in particular has a very, very special place in my heart on my journey to becoming a lab nerd. Uh, and it actually started back in 2014, uh, almost 10 years ago at the time of this recording, where I had a client come to me um, and she had literally every sign of hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and her endocrinologist in New Zealand uh, test just test the just tested her TSH her TSH which was the only thing he tested was normal and he told her to her face uh, your thyroid is fine you're just depressed go take an antidepressant and stop complaining and when she told this to me, it's uh, there's only uh, less than a hand, less less than the number of fingers on my hand times in my life I've actually seen red. I've been that angry. I was not clearly not angry at my client. I was angry at this endocrinologist for being so so dismissive and heartless. I I I, I a few times I saw red and uh, quickly passed. And then I uh, I told this client says ah. Uh, I, I'm going to help you. Um, let me let me get back to you and figure out some better labs for you. So that's when I began my search into functional lab testing for thyroid, and that's and I'll be talking about that at length today. And that was my journey. It was it actually started with thyroid issues uh, in terms of my true true deep dive. In, I mean, I learned lab testing years and years prior, but really deep diving. I was like, okay, I have to do labs now because this will not stand. I will not let this happen again to anyone. Who's, who I'm working with. And I think so, a lot yeah. of people over here who are listening will resonate with that because so mm -hmm. many people have been to their practitioners, have been telling them that they have these signs and symptoms and only lab which has been run is TSH. It takes them years and years finally to get a proper diagnosis and get on the treatment. So mm -hmm. I totally agree that, you know, I think the lab testing, you know, is so important for proper lab testing of thyroid, Hashimoto's and knowing each and every lab that can be very, very helpful. So I'm glad that we are talking about these things so that people can feel empowered that, you know, they can do things right now to know what is wrong with their body and how Absolutely. to fix it. 
it's never been a better time, you know, to, to better understand functional medicine because the labs are just so accessible right now. And, and the intention of this talk, um, which, which I, for those that are watching, you get an extra extra support because I, there's a visual presentation that I've put together because this this topic means so much to me. Those of you just listening, don't worry. Like I'll be able to, you'll be able to understand everything that's going on because I'll be talking through it. Uh, the, the intention of this talk is to go over the missing labs that uh, are relevant to Hashimoto. So we talked about thyroid, which is pretty straightforward. You have, you know, get thyroid testing. We're going to talk more about how many extra markers you should be getting for that within the thyroid itself, but there's other labs and other systems involved. And that's what this talk's going to be. It's not going to be prescribing or recommending like, okay, you need this specific supplement. That's, that's not what I'm doing. It's let me empower you with all the different lab categories you need to know and the different names of the different labs and why those labs are relevant to what you're going through. So this, you can be empowered and when you go to any practitioner you choose to work with, you now have way better knowledge on what labs are available and what labs you could realistically ask for or inquire about. So uh, my, my, my story of how I got into functional medicine is uh, pretty long and pretty harrowing. The very short version is I was very sick as a child, starting from age six and through a teenager, crippling insomnia to the point where it stunted my growth. I had crippling insomnia from age six to 18 during my growth years. Uh, was a lot of violence at school uh, and consequently a lot of spinal pain that went untreated until I was in uh, in high school. Uh, I developed two addictions, video game and sugar addiction, uh, anxiety, depression, and a terrible diet and not the best family life. And I just made a decision in high school that I need to take control of my health and to take control of my life. Otherwise, this was just gonna get worse and worse and worse. I was supposed to be the third generation medical doctor. Uh, both my parents are medical doctors and my grandfather was as well. And he was a very famous one. He actually started the Fells Cancer Research Center at Temple University. Uh, he was the founding director rather in 1937. And um, uh, my father also, is is a major um, figure in in the psychiatry world. He coined the term moral injury and has a he uh, he also has a MacArthur Award for his work with working with veterans and explaining uh, moral injury and the unique effect betrayal does on trauma and psychology. And so I was supposed to be a third generation medical doctor, uh, but I took a hard pivot into natural medicine when um, my parents tried to drug me into submission. Uh, of my depression as opposed to deal with the root causes of what was actually happening. And so I, I pivoted. And so I went into natural medicine instead. And uh, from there, uh, I got very heavily into lab testing. And the focus today is Hashimoto's. And I, I want to talk about the five main lab phenomenon that influence the thyroid, where the thyroid can actually be a secondary effect, not a primary issue where uh, certainly Hashimoto's is, has a, is, is like the primary concern, but what's causing it what, or contributing to it in a meaningful way uh, is, is of great interest. So for example, uh, the, the mitochondria, to me, the mitochondria is one of the least discussed connection points to the thyroid, because to me, the mitochondria is the business end of the thyroid. So when people talk about this term, basal metabolic rate, basal metabolic rate. We've, we've all heard this term, but who has actually defined it? And, and what it is, is calculating how much your mitochondria burn protein, fats, and carbs for energy. 
that's mesometabolic rate. So the way I explain this to my clients is that T4 that leaves the thyroid is the four wheel car that leaves the thyroid and drives through the bloodstream to the mitochondria. And then it opens one door and makes that transformer robot noise, you know, burp, 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 to like change into this three-legged engineer, T3, that is the is the engine that mashes the buttons to dial up the mitochondria to burn more proteins, fats, and carbs. That's what and so the issue becomes if you have you can have quote normal thyroid markers, but the signs of hypothyroidism. Because the problem is with the factory that the T3 engineer is trying to turn on, not with the engineer itself. So it's the thyroid is the signaling molecule, but the mitochondria is the business end of what the thyroid actually acts on. So this is you know, how you help mitochondria. That's a whole separate discussion. That's a massive discussion. Plenty of other videos and stuff on YouTube I've done on that. Uh, but needless to say that that checking th mitochondria is pivotal to understanding the thyroid because it's literally the other end of the thyroid. So I, I want to say that up front because I feel like that is the least discussed of all the, the dyads, the pairings of thyroids that are out there. The second pairing I want to talk about is the estrogen thyroid connection. So there's a reason why more women get thyroid issues is because estrogen dominance can suppress thyroid function. So managing estrogen and looking at estrogen levels and like not, not just estradiol. I mean, in functional testing, one of the most famous tests is called the Dutch test, where you look at seven types of estrogens and then the whole pathway, you know, testosterone through aromatase. And we, we can nerd out on jargon and scrabble words all we want. Uh, but the, knowing the entire estrogen pathway is critical to optimizing your thyroid. The other connection is the adrenals. And so cortisol uh, and the whole cortisol adrenal cascade, if the, 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 the thyroid and the adrenal glands are, are kind of oppositional pairs, the adrenal glands are in, in one use of it is for survival. It's short, it's short-term survival where thyroid can be generally understood as long-term healing health growth repair. And so they're in opposition when you're in a stress emergency situation. So it makes sense that the adrenals will, in an acute emergency, will take over and shut down the thyroid and reallocate resources for acute survival because acute survival is more important than long-term uh, growth if you're in a survival situation. So, so if your adrenals are out of whack, your thyroid can be suppressed, uh, whether it's through the, the, T, the T4 to T3 conversion being suppressed or the the uh, any other mechanism that's involved in the various cascades of getting thyroid to be optimally functional, you, you need to have a balanced adrenal glands. Then you've got uh, iron deficiency, and and it's not just iron; it's looking at nutrient deficiencies as a whole as it relates to thyroid. So things like tyrosine, iron, vitamin A, vitamin D, selenium, zinc, um, you know, various B vitamins, whatever, like nutritional deficiencies. Uh, relate to thyroid. So knowing and analyzing nutritional deficiencies is critical to thyroid health. And then lastly, the one that most people are aware about as a connection of thyroid to Hashimoto's is gut. And the connection of a, a intestine, a, a permeable gut, a permeable gut, or what's called in, in our universe, like a quote unquote leaky gut, 
that that's its relationship to Hashimoto's. And directly, I'll show you five major connections of the gut to uh, Hashimoto's. So the basic... So, uh, Dr. Shea, let me just uh, yeah. like you know, ask you this question over here on the previous slide. So obviously, you have these sure. five connections. So each and every person that is working with you or you're evaluating for Hashimoto's, do you do all the testing to evaluate these things or how you go about doing, taking care of them? So when I work with someone who's who's struggling with thyroid concerns, uh, I I optimally I run all of these things at the same time to see which of these is the actual priority or which combination of the priorities, because we can we can do very in depth lifestyle analysis and, and historical analysis and so on and get a really clear idea of what is going on. But to really understand what biochemistry has been damaged, you need to test all of them. And it would be, it's it, to me, like every, every one of them can be the, the pivot point to address all of them, to, to address the whole issue and the things we don't know. And usually what I see is that one or two of these is really major influence, but there's one or two other ones that are of minor, but meaningful contribution as well. And the thing is, I don't know which ones they are. Uh, if someone is having an autoimmune response to their thyroid, I mean, gut is mandatory. I mean, and we're, we're going to discuss why just literally in the next slide of like why that would be. Um, but so main important I, point I think over here is also is that a lot of these tests, the regular or conventional doctors might not even be aware of that the tests exist correct. to check for them. So that's where, you know, you might need to work with a functional or an integrative or a holistic doctor to get these testing. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Correct. That's absolutely correct. And uh, like, it's, it's just a matter of training and focus. And uh, the, the functional testing is, funct functional medicine testing is not standard within biomedicine, Western medicine. And, and one of the reasons for that is that the solutions that are offered through functional medicine, it, the, the first reflex is not pharmacy radiation or surgery. It's nutrition and lifestyle, and that's not within the financial models of the pharmaceutical companies uh, and the testing companies it's that, that are yoked together and that are sponsoring every every room and and building at a, at a medical school. So it's they're they're not they're, they're hard on any insurance plans. They're they're not encouraged uh, simply because it's against the financial models of the larger medical establishment. The answers we offer are getting you healthier, not keeping you um not keeping you in a tolerable level of symptomatic health health uh while while sustaining you on on a on a pharmaceutical. So I, I'm not against pharmaceuticals. They're a tool. Um it's just a matter of is it the right tool for the right duration at the right amount for the right purpose and is there a strategy to get to a state of health to not need it anymore. I view pharmaceuticals as a way to buy time to figure out what's going on that caused the situation in the first place that necessitated the need for the pharmaceutical to buy you time and to, to buy you the time. So basically if, if your, if your life is so disoriented and dysregulated by whatever issue, health issue you're going through that you need a pharmaceutical to buy time, then that makes a lot of sense to me. But is there a plan to figure out what actually got you there and to get you off of it? Absolutely. Yes. Let's dive, delve into the things that you want to discuss now. Absolutely. So, so the way that leaky gut 
connects to Hashimoto's is that your your gut is basically a complicated a tube with a filter on the inside. And the filter is supposed to filter nutrients, water, um, uh, and uh, nutrients, water, vitamins, minerals, et cetera, to go into your body. It's like a hole of a donut. When you eat food and food is in your intestines, it's not technically in your body. It's going through your body. Like I put my finger through the hole of a donut. My whole, my finger's not in the donut. It's through the donut. So when the food is going through your intestines, then if it goes into your body, it goes across this filter. This filter is very tight and it's not supposed to let infections, their residues, their excretia, or undigested proteins or anything else through that filter into the bloodstream. If something does get through, like the 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 filter has holes in it and is air quotes leaky, that it's leaking bacteria, its residues or fecal matter or undigested proteins directly into the blood. Now the blood has this like, oh my God, we've got these really weird things floating around. We need to send out these shape-seeking missiles, not heat-seeking, shape-seeking missiles called antibodies that then attach themselves to these weird looking things and mark the mark them for the immune system to be taken out. So what happens is that if you have certain things that leak through, they have certain shapes. And unfortunately, certain things that leak through have shapes that are similar to thyroid tissue. And so these shape-seeking missiles are dummy bullets. They just attack whatever looks similar and they will attack it as collateral damage. It's like walking into the middle of a war between the Bloods and the Crips. You walk into Crips territory wearing a red shirt through no fault of your own. They think you're on the opposite camp and you're just shot. And it's the same thing. Like the thyroid is just shot because it looks like an invading something or other. So blastocystis hominis is one infection that looks similar enough to thyroid tissue that the antibody to blastocystis will attack thyroid. Same thing with Yersinia entolytica. H. pylori. This is just literally just off PubMed. I, I just, you can see it right up here. Search term, H. pylori Hashimoto's. That's all I put in. And there's just like result after result after result after result. You can, you can look this up yourself. Uh, H, if you have H. pylori and it leaks through, you can get an autoimmune response attacks the thyroid, Epstein-Barr. And then the big one is gluten. Put that in red. Gluten can create the antibodies that attack thyroid tissue. So this is why you see, this is also why you see this, this connection between celiac and Hashimoto's is, is because of this specific connection. So um, what's, what's really useful about running a gut test and identifying these hidden infections. And also if you are, if you have a gluten immune response is that you can really do something like heal, seal and soothe the gut and then get rid of these infections and then also remove gluten permanently, like, like non-negotiably remove gluten. So this is why, you know, gut testing can be so valuable is because you can identify and then figure out strategies to remove the thing that's actually triggering the immune response and then change your diet so that you're not actually, gluten can only shred up the gut and, you know, break the tight junctions and make your gut leaky in the first place. It could also then leak through itself and then create the autoimmune response directly. So it's a double whammy with gluten. So this is one reason why functional testing is so valuable. And additionally, if you're, if people listening to this, if you're living with someone who's skeptical that diet change, whether it's a partner, a family member, a friend, or a medical doctor, frankly, who doesn't believe you, 
that diet can affect Hashimoto's. Well, guess what? Right there, gluten. And then you could take this data and say like, right there, this is what we, why we need to shift here, our diet and our lifestyle. And one, the one thing about testing in general that I also want to address is, you know, um, some people say oh, testing takes up time and it's expensive. Like, well, to me, having an autoimmune disease, the thyroid long-term is very expensive uh, by itself. And there is an upfront investment if you're doing testing, but you save massive amounts of money long-term because you're actually doing the things you actually need to do. You're not chasing after shiny object syndrome because someone talked about a laser over here or coconut oil extract over there, a goji berry juice, you snort up your left nostril over here, whatever it is. I don't know. Like it's, it's, you've, you're, you're saving time and you're saving money because you're actually doing the things that your biochemistry needs. Then there's the hormone tests themselves. And uh, we talked about uh, a before like adrenal sex hormones and then thyroid testing. And there's, there's roughly five categories of testing. There's, there's hormone testing, gut testing, mitochondrial and blood testing, genetics testing, and then the weird stuff, which is like metal molds and limes, but the bad stuff you don't want. So this is, these are, these are functional hormone tests. Uh, there's three main ones, adrenals, sex hormones, and thyroid. So, uh, you're, there's three, there's three company, major companies that have cortisol testing. Other companies have them as well. I'm not, I'm not excluding those that have them. I think ZRT has one, there's many companies that I just want to mention some of the bigger players, Genova precision analytical and doctor's data and getting an adrenal stress test. I really encourage people to get the cortisol awakening response. It's a newer addition to the adrenal testing to look at your stress, your stress resilience, the way you respond to stress. Um, then there's sex hormones and the, the most popular one is Dutch. There are some other competitors that are, are coming onto market as well. Um, but basic, the basic premise is you want to get not just, you know, a test for estradiol and that's it. That's, that's about as effective as just testing for TSH. There's value in one metabolite. But there is exponentially more value in getting the entire series of metabolites in order so you can map out the entire pathway. So uh, Dutch test is a very popular one. There, there are other ones, but, but again, the premise is getting the entire hormone cascade as opposed to just one metabolite. And then thyroid, like these are the minimum six I would run of the thyroid. There, there's additional ones that are available so the minimum six I would run would be TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, uh, antibodies to thyroglobulin or thyro and also to thyroperoxidase known as anti-TG or anti-TPO. There's other ones, anti-TSH receptors. There's total T3. There's total T4. There's, there's a couple others, but these are the, the six. And I don't know about you, Dr. Gupta, but I've only had one case in my entire career where only the anti-TSH receptors were high, antibodies were high, and everything else was normal. So I, I that was so rare, I kind of stopped asking for anti-TSH. Has that been your experience, that that's been the rarer one that's been elevated? That's true, yeah. We generally typically, again, don't do that test in our practice too, because again, you know, like there is uh, so much money involved in these testing, and that is really very high. So it doesn't change the protocols yeah. that much. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. So it's like even like we're just like these. That's why I say these are the core six. Other people can order more on top, but these would be the minimum, I would say. So I just want this to kind of touch on the little bit on the Dutch test, you know, because most people go to their regular doctors and ask for like, okay, well, I have they check my estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. What Doctor Shea is talking about is that you know estrogen breaks down into different metabolites, right? And some of them mm-hmm. are safer, and some of them are not safer. For your own body, and this particular test is really great in identifying your, whether your estrogen is metabolizing to the safer versions or not. So again, your doctor, if they check your estrogen, they say where well, everything is okay. That doesn't really mean everything is okay until you check all the metabolites. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll, I'll throw in a little extra bonus concern here for people who are wanting, you know, think they need more testosterone. And the the Dutch test is great for identifying, like, do you actually need more testosterone or do you need to reduce estrogen dominance or do you need to fix the enzyme that converts between testosterone and estrogen? I've seen it so many times. Male clients is, oh, I need testosterone, I need testosterone. And I was like, "Uh, do you really, or do you just have a hormone imbalance? And, and I'll give one example of a guy came to me who got testosterone shots and he, before he, before he saw me, before I knew him. And he started developing man boobs and he got fatter. And he's like, I don't understand. I got testosterone. What happened? And, and I said, well, because testosterone converts into estrogen, if this enzyme called aromatase is overactive, if you're inflamed or exposed to plastics or your other, you have other lifestyle problems going on, if you are given testosterone, it actually may backfire because it will just all convert into estrogen and get the opposite effect you're looking for. So the answer is not necessarily testosterone. The answer is fix your lifestyle and stop the estrogen dominance. And it's the Dutch test. That's one of the clearest windows into that to see what you need to do. Is it actually testosterone issue or is it a problem with testosterone conversion? So yeah, that's, that's a little enticement for people who are concerned about uh, testosterone. Um, This is an example of a, of a thyroid, of a comprehensive thyroid assessment, whether it's Genova or access medical, it's just kind of looking at their bell curves. And I just want to point out that there are, there's a difference between medical normals and functional optimals. I'll say that again. There's medical normals, which is this bell curve. Then there is functional optimals. So, so what what the 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 gray space is the space outside the functional optimals, but before the boundaries of the medical normals. So at the your your quote medically normal, which is what happens to my client with her TSH, she's normal, go away. But she wasn't functionally optimal. So so this is this gray space that functional medicine operates in that we can help with that that gray space plus with getting to your optimal. Western medicine is trained, but the background of Western medicine was based on triage, military medicine. Do you have the emergency or not? So Unfortunately, biochemical ranges are, do you have the disease or not? Everything else is irrelevant. Go sit over there in your triage with the other people who aren't dying right now. So and it's, it's, it's a philosophy issue that Western medicine was born on the battlefield. It, it, and that's why emergency care in Western medicine is literally the best. Like, like the emergency, the emergency says the emergency toys, we, the emergency tools we have for toys to help in emergency care in Western medicine is great. Not a lot of those in natural medicine and functional medicine, like not a lot, because the philosophy is for Western medicine is perfect for emergency care. And it's kind of fuzzy for optimizing and normal for everything else, because they're, they're fixed in this 
on-on presence, is it pathological or not? So functional medicine is where, where that bridge, that estuary between natural natural medicine and Western medicine. I say functional medicine is the best of Western medicine diagnostics with the best of natural medicine lifestyle interventions. So when you're looking at thyroid labs or any labs, you have to think, okay, there's functional optimals and then there's medical normals. And you got to look at these, these, where are you in all these different bell curves? This is a ZRT thyroid lab, and it looks for, uh, it looks at various thyroid markers, but also the different toxic and necessary. Fame knows about iodine, but there's also the lightweight halides that can interfere with iodine, like bromine and and so on. Um, then this is a New Zealand Australia version out of Nutripath, and I'm going to show you a real client of mine. Uh, this is February 2017. Her antithyroglobulin antibodies were 442, uh, about 4x the upper limit. And less than a year later, uh, they were down to 35, well within normal range. And in her case, she her major uh, adjuvant, the main thing that was annoying or upsetting her immune system was gluten. That was that was the main thing that was going on there. Um the next set of lab tests is gut testing, the three main gut tests. The There's the big general gut tests, which I believe is the most important to do. So there's Diagnostic Solutions Lab. They have the GI map. Genova has the GI effects. Dr. Data has Dr. Data's a GI 360. Then there's a thing called the CDSA, which is across multiple different companies, or Comprehensive Digestive Stool Analysis. This is the big one that looks for the infections I mentioned before and the gluten antibodies. Um, SIBO is an, a more recent test. Uh, that's more of a breath test. Uh, Genova has one. There's there's another one called like a tri tri SIBO or tri breath. I, I'm I'm blanking on the name. It's a newer company where they're looking at um, uh, hydrogen sulfide as well. And then there's food sensitivities. Now these are relevant because the, if you're eating something that's annoying your gut and causing it to be more inflamed and leaky, that can then provoke further leakage of these of the five things that can trigger the immune response to the gut. Then we've got mitochondria, brain, liver, anemia, and blood sugar. This is basically all the labs that require a blood draw and just lump them together. Uh, part of what part of what we do in functional medicine is like, how can we lump the tests together so that it's logistically easy? Can you just get one blood draw session to get all the things you need as opposed to having to get one and then a month later, another one and so on and so forth. So the mitochondria testing, this is like I said, it's the other end of the thyroid. Uh, Genova has uh, the Organics Comprehensive Profile. Diagnostic Solutions Lab has the OMX. Uh, Great Plains has the OAT test. Um, Geno then there's the more advanced one called the Genova's Ion Panel. There's also something called the Metabolomics and the Nutravel from Genova. That's actually a long history because Metametrics originally made the Ion Panel uh, Dr. Lord, who, who we actually owe over half of all functional tests to him, he developed them. Uh, and then what happened is that Genova bought them out. Genova made a competitor to the ion panel called the Nutravel. Then they bought out Metametrics. So they had all of them under one roof and they made the metabolomics test during COVID because they wanted to remove the blood draw. So they switched over to a blood spot technology. It's fewer, fewer metabolites, but it's an approximation to what the ion panel was, but not having to go get a blood draw on a clinic. So 
there's a lot of competition and you know, my O test is bigger than your test. Blah, blah. Like it's, the labs fight with each other all the time and just, <laughs> just roll with it. Um, then there's the, 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 the blood tests that are just really important. I, I recommend anyone get an anemia panel, you know, iron TI, you know, TIBC, ferritin, B12, folate, get blood sugar regulation. Blood sugar affects thyroid, you know, like hemoglobin A1C, check if your pancreas is working with fasting insulin, fasting glucose, pancreatic elastase and lipase. And there's many labs that run these tests, Access Medical, Quest, Vibrant America, Boston Health, et cetera. And then we've got the really weird stuff, which you really don't want to have. That's mold, metals, lime, and environmental toxins. Uh, there's mycotox tests from Great Plains. Vibrant Wellness is mycotoxins. Um, if you're concerned about Lyme, there's the Tickborne or Igenex has testing. Metals, a lot of companies have their own metals tests. Uh, Quicksilver Scientifics has its uh, own, own metals tests. Uh, Total Tox Burn by Vibrant America has... It's, it has metals and environmental toxins and, and so on in there. So the, these are the major functional tests that I, if, if this sounds like a lot of information, it is, but I want this to be the first pass where you hear about these tests by name and by company, not when you're sitting in front of a practitioner, like, like you want to be educated before you walk in as much as is realistic. So I just want to empower you by just hearing it for the first time and knowing how they're categorized. Hormones, gut, mitochondria, weird stuff. That's that's the easiest way to think about it. And there's three main tests underneath each, each of those categories. And then the other one to look at is genetics. Um, oh, by the way, sorry, before I do that, in brief, um, if you go work with a functional practitioner, make sure they have a framework by which to view your lifestyle and your health. My framework I developed is called the 10 Pillars of Health. I have an ebook on this. I have talks on YouTube about it. This is not a 10-pillar talk. The point is, make sure the person you're working with has a framework. Mine's a 10 pillars. They can be the triangle of health. It can be the inverted hypotenuse of wellness. I don't care. They just have to have a framework. Have a framework. And uh, if the reason is because then you can really logically look at what tests and what lifestyle changes need to be done. Uh, the next major set of tests is genetics, uh, particularly as it relates to inflammation. Genetic testing is, it's a big topic. And the, the most important things people need to understand about uh, genetics as it relates to Hashimoto's is you wanna make sure that your test really looks at the inflammatory pathway in detail. And the, the point of inflammation is to protect the body from damage and from infections. That's the point of it. If I'm, if I'm out there, I go back to, you know, evolutionary biology. If I'm out there hunting a big animal with a tiny stick and I get trampled, mauled, bitten, gored, or clawed, um, if I have a strong inflammatory response, blood will rush to that area and swell up to bring red blood cells to repair the damage and bring white blood cells to try to kill the infections that were injected by the bite wound. That's the point of inflammation. If I have a strong inflammatory response, I am more likely to live past that acute injury from the bite. 
If I am less inflammatory prone, I am less likely to survive an acute attack, but I'm more likely to live longer because I won't have as many chronic diseases. So in all things in evolution and nature, it's uh, trade-offs. So being hyper-inflammatory in today's environment is not as useful as it was 200, 2,000, 200,000 years ago when we were more prone to physical injuries. So it's all things trade off. So inflammation is not bad. It's just, is it proportionate to what's going on? And so for some of us, we have a hyper reactive inflammatory response, myself included, where instead of a little Bic lighter of inflammation, we have an inferno or we can't, we can't get rid of the inflammation. So it just stays at the simmering hot level like holes in a fire, or we, instead of a, we don't have a fire hose to put it out, we have a little squirt gun. And that relates to Hashimoto's because if our gut's inflamed and we can't put out the inflammation, we're at more risk for leaky gut and more risk of these, these molecules leaking in and, and creating cross reactions to the thyroid. So by knowing your genetics, you can then have customized lifestyle changes, nutrients, and diets that are based on your genetics to put control over inflammation at the genetic level. Uh, and, and these recommendations for genetics, they're permanent. Functional tests are great, but they're ephemeral. They, the, the value of them drops after six to 12 months, and they're just used for historical analysis, not for any decision-making in, in real time. Uh, but genetics, once, once you get genetics, like you got these results for life, and it's, it's probably the highest value on return of investment for any test out there is genetic simply because the, the value of the information never decays. And, and also, if, if you want to really get some value for your genetics, learn about your diet genetically, because some people are genetically keto or paleo or Mediterranean or high carb. There's now genetic tests out there that let you determine your carb tolerance. And it's actually it's not based on the variation of the gene. It's actually the duplicates of a specific gene that tell you how well you can actually break down carbohydrates, which determines are you keto, paleo, Mediterranean, or high carb. The other thing to look for is your vitamin D absorption genetically. So getting vitamin D into your blood is one thing. Getting it into the cells through the VDR receptors is another. So people, I found Dr. Gupta, and I've and in my in the seven years I've done genetics testing, the, the the number one predictor genetically that someone's going to have chronic issues is they have variants in their VDR genes. Wow. As the number one predictor. And uh, th this is really important because vi vitamin D is like, it, it's estimated controls up to 5% of your entire genome. That's an insane amount of DNA. Insane. Most of it relating to inflammation and immunity. And, and what are we talking about with Hashimoto's? Inflammation and immunity, like yoked right there. So getting your vitamin D receptor genes tested is absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. When you ask me, like, do I run all these tests together of the functions? Like, yes, along with genetics, ideally. And, and if you and if you're gonna start somewhere, if someone like has to start somewhere, has to start somewhere with Hashimoto's, I would say they would want to do three main tests. They want to get their genetics done. They want to get their gut tests and they want to get the Dutch test done. Those three, if they'll start with three of them, because that way you catch the adrenals, you catch the sex hormones and you catch the gut and you catch the genetics. And then uh, it, 
that would be the the baseline minimum that I, I would look for. Yeah, I think that summarizes really well because obviously and, a lot of people rate, are, of course. Right. You know, and obviously like, I'm sure that a lot of people will get the tired testing. But I think that that makes a lot of people like, you know, comfortable that at least they can do these testing and get a lot of information. An important piece is that, you know, we are just not ordering these tests for information. This information will be valuable in making protocols for you. So we can fix mm -hmm. the problems which these tests show. It's just not for information purposes, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. This is not a vanity test. Like, oh, yes, you are screwed. Good luck. You know, it's actually like, what what do you do based on the data? You know, real... real we're, we're pragmatists. We're interested in what works. And the testing guides us to do what what works. Uh, uh, other, otherwise, we're just like, it's a vanity thing. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Let's do a test and see what colors your your bar charts show up as. That's not useful. Um, so that's just to overview. Uh, you know, I, I really want people to feel empowered uh, that that Hashimoto's is uh, that there's that there's lots of different things that influence Hashimoto's. And that these are testable, that there's the mitochondria connection, the iron and other nutrients uh, connection, adrenal connection, gut connection, estrogen connection, and genetics connection. And that there are there are functional tests out there that are there. There's, there's companies that are available around the world, whether it's hormone testing, gut testing, mitochondria testing, and, and some unfortunately weird stuff, metal mold and lime, and then of course, uh, genetics. And if people want to learn more, um, I've got three eBooks that are available for free on my website, one on the 10 pillars of health, which is my model and more details on functional testing, two on genetics themselves, one on ideal diet and one on the entire inflammatory and, and other aspects of, of genetics. And if people at the time of this recording, I'm still doing application calls. If people like the style in which I present and, and how I think, and they feel like I'm the one that, that can support them through their journey, then they can just schedule an application call uh, at my website. There will be a time in the near future where these application calls, I won't be doing them. There'll be, uh, there'll, there'll be other people doing them will be done in kind of a group setting. And I am moving more into uh, group support, for example, in the genetics um, the, the, the genetics is moving towards, uh, an opportunities for people to, to be supported within a group and get, still get all the information. Awesome. I think so you had, you are developing a genetic test that you wanted to share with people, right? It, it, it's not, I'm not developing it. I'm, cr I'm creating the teaching. I'm, I'm creating the, the, the platform that empowers people with the knowledge from the genetics test. So it's looking at identifying your ideal diet. It's looking at your inflammatory pathways. It's looking at the vitamin D pathways. It's also looking at trigger foods. Like, are you reactive to gluten, dairy, alcohol, salt, histamines, um, food specific food aller uh, uh reactivity to food allergens and then coffee the coffee one's interesting uh some people including me are genetically vulnerable to caffeine induced anxiety and depression caffeine induced anxiety and depression and when i lecture in front of a room of entrepreneurs you can feel and the collective sphincter of the room just clench because everyone's just terrified that they're not going to be able to have coffee <laughs> Because their business runs on coffee, okay. so uh, it's it's yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, that, that was very confronting for people. So tell us about like where people can find more about you. So I've got uh, a, a couple of ways. One is my website, drsamshay.com. Uh, you can also go to YouTube and just put in Dr. Sam Shea, 
and 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 even put Dr. Sam Shea comedy, and you'll you'll get to my YouTube channel. I've got a playlist of of my stand-up comedy, as well as all my about I have about a hundred or so videos related to health on there as well. And or put my name into whatever Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever. There's, there's many different ways to find me. Awesome, awesome. That was a power-packed presentation and a talk that you gave us today. You know, it was so much enlightening that, you know, uh, people will know that, you know, they can know a lot more about the root cause and what all testing, because I'm sure a lot of people have not heard of all of these tests that you have mentioned today. So now they are empowered with the right information. I'm sure people might have to listen to this episode a couple of times to get all yeah. the gist of it because it's too complicated and that is perfectly fine. And, you know, uh, our goal was to educate you and like kind of just throw in this information so that you are empowered to talk to your doctors. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that is that is the name of it. And I'm so grateful for people like you, Dr. Gupta, who are going out of their way to make summits and podcasts to to educate the public in kind of a mass, in this kind of group format where people can learn from all sorts of different uh experts and and because now we are in a position where we can globally educate the public and empower them with knowledge so that they can have agency over their own health and it's a very different era back in the 80s and 90s when i was going through my health problems and i was just subject i had no there was no internet you know until like the mid 90s and so I, I'm very grateful for you and, and every other one of our colleagues that makes these summits and and, uh, and 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 similar outreaches like podcasts to empower the public. So I'm I'm very grateful to be a part of this. Absolutely great! Thank you so much. Thank you again for being on the show.